You're listening to Super Manager, the podcast for people who manage people and business with ideas, trends, and expert interviews to help you be a super manager. Okay, welcome to another episode of Super Manager Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about de-escalating and reducing drama at work. And I have some of my super friends with me here today. We have Katie Magoon with People Solutions Center. We're an HR consulting firm. And Mary Kuthais with MCK Coaching and Training. I am a business coach and confidant. And of course, me, you hear from me every week, Samantha Nays with CN Video. We do corporate video production. So I worked with an employee one time, perfectly pleasant person, but tended to vent a lot. Mm -hmm. So he'd be talking with a customer on the phone and everything seemed to be going well. And then he'd hang up the phone and he'd go, oh my God, you know, and just kind of vent about how horrible it was. And then I realized he was doing that with people in general, with everything that he worked on. And I kind of felt sorry for him because it must not feel good to feel that level of frustration in dealing with people and have it be part of your job. But it was affecting people around him. Other people were starting to do the same thing and they were starting to feel the anxiety and it became kind of an office of bitching and complaining. (laughs) And so you have one person who's having kind of an issue and they don't think it's a big deal, but it can really cause kind of a domino effect and affect other people around them. So that's one example of drama and how it affects a work environment. But what is drama? Gosh, it could be as small as who didn't clean up their mess in the microwave, (laughs) to harassment. I mean, it really can be a huge gamut. And interestingly, sometimes the really small issues create enormous amounts of drama and taking away focus and productivity because of that drama. Well, it seems to me that if it's a small issue causing a large amount of drama, it's not the issue that's causing the problem. It's not somebody not cleaning the microwave. There's something else behind it. I think what for many people that shows a lack of respect or a lack mm-hmm. of responsibility. And so, again, it's, it's maybe not that it would take someone else five minutes to actually clean up somebody else's mess, but people feel like someone's not pulling their weight. And maybe they feel the same way about the work they do or that someone feels like, well, I'm so busy, I shouldn't have to clean up the kitchen even if I make a mess. And I'm I'm focusing on the kitchen. There's a lot of smaller issues like that. Or why is it my job? Am I so unimportant that I'm cleaning up after somebody else? Yes, yes. (laughs) The other piece that can sometimes, you know, you mentioned harassment, which is obviously the extreme side of it. But one of the things I'm seeing more frequently, and it's kind of scary when you say it happened, It's actually bullying in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard clients say like, what do I do if I have a bully in the workplace? I'm like, you do have adults, right? (laughs) Um, But it is becoming more of a norm where there will be one individual in the organization who has kind of pointed themselves as being in charge, whether they are or not. And they will literally shame and push people into a situation where no one feels like they can give the feedback. And it's often not the leader, it's often someone in the team that has sort of appointed themselves in that space because they're just not confident in their own work. That one can cause a ton of drama because everybody's afraid of what to do about it. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because if looking back on that person's history, they may have been a bully in high school. Right. And it's never addressed. Yeah. Maybe the parents didn't know how or didn't know it. And as long as they get away with it, happens in college, then they get hired somewhere and the bullying behavior continues. They probably don't even realize that they're it's, doing it or the effect possible. they're having on people. I was even thinking about that guy who gets off the phone every time and says, oh, my God. it would be interesting. And maybe he did realize he did it. But mm-hmm. if someone said, do you know you do this? And because maybe it was seriously every single time. I had no idea. People get into such habits. They mm-hmm. don't even realize they're doing something that 
off-putting. Yeah. His response was, oh, I don't mean anything by it. I'm just blowing off steam. He just didn't realize uh, how it was affecting everybody else yeah, in the that's office. Interesting, yeah. yeah. And that kind of negativity, one, has huge impact on your customer service. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you're always, oh, the customer's always wrong, the customer's always wrong. Right. Even if you would never say that to the customer, it changes people's perspective on it. So the drama bleeds over whether you think it does or not. But the other part of it is if people are getting so wound up in the drama, it can take a good 10 to 15 minutes for somebody to come back down right. off of that. Yeah. So there's yes. 10 to 15 minutes where all somebody's doing is venting and they're not getting anything accomplished. And so when you have a whole group, especially if people work in a small quarters, now that's 10 to 15 minutes every time somebody hangs up the phone with a client that nobody's getting anything done. Or if it's person to person, like it's 10 to 15 minutes of the gossip and all of the stuff that happens. Yeah. And it's only creating the negative emotions and thriving mm -hmm. on that. And meanwhile, you're getting zero work done. Unfortunately, I'm one of these people that I can't stand to be around drama. Yeah. And when something like that does happen, I, it does take me a while to shake it off. And I'll try to focus on work and then I'll go, ah, I can't, ugh, ugh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I just have to go take a walk or something just to, to kind of let it out before I can start focusing on work again. Yeah. The hard part is when it's in your personal life, if you're somebody who doesn't like to be around drama, it's pretty easy to pick and choose your friends and decide that's right. not somebody I'm going to spend a lot of yes. time with. When it's a coworker, you don't quite have the same option. Right. Um, you know, you can't vote people into the closet in this. So, you know, yeah. you have to figure out a way to start to bring that drama to light or find ways for the team to deal with it. And right. it's just not as easy as saying, I'm not going to invite that person to lunch anymore. And, well, and that is a leadership function mm -hmm. to be aware of what's going on because a leader needs to have good people skills. That statistic that 90% of the difference between average and superior leaders is their level of emotional intelligence yeah. mm. because you're dealing with people, you're leading people. So the leader needs to have their finger on the pulse of what's going on and they need to address those kind of yeah. things because if they don't, they're not doing their job. Yeah, absolutely. Mary, you mentioned uh, distinguishing the difference between difficult and different. What did you mean by that? When I do training on communication skills, I'll often ask the audience, and especially if everybody is in the same company, how many of you have or have ever wanted to take a class on dealing with difficult people? Mm -hmm. And almost <laughs> everyone will raise their hand. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, look around. Because these are the people that you work with, and they may perceive you as difficult. <laughs> and use their hand up because of you. you. You perceive them as difficult and they may perceive you as difficult. And there are some people who are just difficult. But in, in many cases, they're just different. You were talking earlier about DISC yes. and the behavioral styles. And behavioral styles can rub people the wrong way. If you yeah. just think someone is being the way they're being because they're trying to make you angry or they're trying to get at you when it's really just how they are. Yeah. So understanding that people are behaving in their natural way often helps people see, oh, they're just a really direct person where I'm not quite so direct. Yeah. That helps. Yeah. If you can start to change the conversation, one of the things we talk about all the time is how do you get people to lead with stories that assume good intent? And when your mm. mind is talking from an assumption of good intent, you finish the story in a much more positive way. As soon Excellent as you lose point. the assumption of good intent, now the person is sabotaging you or yes. undermining you or doing something intentional to cause you problems. And a lot of drama in the workplace comes from the fact that as a team, you haven't figured out how to lead with that assumption of good intent. That's an excellent point. And Katie, you had mentioned a lack of trust. That kind of ties into what you would... It drives that assumption of good intent. So if I trust you, I'm more likely to assume that you just made a mistake or right. you just are having a bad day. 
In fact, I'm more likely to jump to the conclusion that, ooh, I wonder what I did. So if I trust you and you get mad at a meeting and you slam out and walk out the door, it may I'm, not have my been initial you. reactions will be like, what did I do wrong? Right. If I don't trust you and you slam out and walk out the door, my reaction is, what a jerk, how rude right. are they? But you go in a very different direction. And so the underlying concept is if you can build the trust, then the drama will start to dissipate because it allows people to lead with that assumption of good intent. And I think a big part of drama that I've seen has been gossip. Like you've done something that bothers me and I don't have that trust with you. So I'm going to go to you, this other person and say, <laughs> did you see what she did? What do you think about that? You know, and then you kind of get the gossiping thing going on. That to me feels also like a lack of trust because if I trusted you, if we had that kind of relationship, I would just say something to you directly. There is a ton of data out there that says for most people on the list of behaviors that destroys trust, gossip is one of those key behaviors mm. that destroys it. On the flip side, when you ask people, do you regularly engage in this behavior? The answer is yes. And so we know it breaks trust and yet we do it anyway. And sometimes with people we actually like, I'm not sure what about the human psyche makes that happen. I, I think one of the things might be how conflict avoidant people are. And mm. They won't address the conflict with the person, they'll address it with someone else because they feel more comfortable doing that. And it's because they don't have the skills to address it in a way that won't feel like a confrontation. Yeah. It, it needs to feel like a discussion and then it's more comfortable. Yeah. But I love the way you said the assumption of good intent. Mm -hmm. If you go into it assuming that you're going to have to straighten somebody else out because their behavior has been bad, yeah. that that's going to come across. Right. Instead of coming across with, this is how I felt when this happened, mm -hmm. can we talk about that? Yeah. And that is much less backing someone into a corner, much less aggressive. It's let's team up to figure out what's going on here and make it better. Well, if you think about it, people have learned the skill that they need in order to do their job, but where do they really teach you how to handle these types of situations and how to effectively communicate with someone who's done something that you're upset about or confused about or, or whatnot? We're all just there to, to do our job. Well, and, and honestly, that's one of the reasons why people bring me in. I know it's probably the same yeah. thing for you, Katie, is that people need those skills. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm certified in the emotional intelligence, the EQI 2.0, mm -hmm. as well as some other assessments. And when people can see through science how they're coming across, people who are interested in personal and professional development will say, I need to fix this because this isn't working for me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't even realize what's happening. They just realize they're not getting results that work for them. Mm -hmm. And so somebody from the outside can come in and say, here's what I see going on and we can fix it yeah. if you're willing to work on it. Sometimes too, I've had some really good leaders that have teams that are working well and there's just that one little nuance of drama that seems to be happening <laughs> that's keeping them from being a great team. And those are the organizations because they already have a reasonably good foundation of trust. Right. It's so easy to take that and escalate everything a little bit further because now I do trust you in general. So if I teach you the right sets of words to use, now when you start engaging in something that's drama, I might be more willing to have that conflict in that conversation. The other thing is if I trust you, now when you come over and gossip, I feel like it's my responsibility to point out you know, I might just be the recipient of your gossip, but I'll say, you know what, Sam, I'm not sure this is the right conversation for right. us. Let's talk about if you have a concern, how might you better address that with the person you have it with? But I actually call it out in the moment because most of us allow the gossip to happen and that creates a culture in which it's acceptable. And then you leave the room and I wonder, well, I wonder what she said about me right. after she left yeah, here. Yeah, you know, exactly. So if we don't get in the habit of calling each other out and stopping it in the moment, 
even a good team can have some erosion of that trust over time. And I think what's interesting about that is a lot of times I think people gossip as a way to bring themselves closer to the person that they're gossiping with. Yes. And really what they're doing is they are losing trust because I have had people approach me to gossip about somebody else thinking that we were going to bond over this. And I did walk away thinking, I wonder what they're saying about me. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. it just didn't have, that, didn't have yeah. that effect. Giving people the right words, the, the conversations yes. on disc, the ability to have conflict in a way that's productive, it, a lot of times is just giving people the right sets of words to say, as opposed to, you did this and it made me feel bad. And it's, hey, help me understand what happened yesterday. Because now, again, you lead with that assumption of good intent, help me understand, which does have to sound like the nice version. There's the snarky version of help me understand. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to use that one. But um, <laughs> when you can get people to start to ask those kinds of questions, you change the conversation dramatically. So the training and sessions make a huge difference in that. I agree. It's that it's many times people aren't refusing to do the right things to keep the culture or mm -hmm. create the culture that they want. They just don't know how because they've right. never learned it anywhere. As you said, they know how to do their job, but the people skills are often things that need to be developed. Yeah. I do a class that's called Creating a Culture of Respect, that mm -hmm. at the end of it, we talk about the severe HR stuff, right? The discrimination and the harassment. But during the course of it, we actually use case studies of these exact kinds of situations and get the team to come to an agreement on what does it mean to have a culture of respect? Why do right. we care if there's a culture of respect? And then most importantly, what are the behaviors that are acceptable and unacceptable? And while we ultimately want them to understand that harassment and discrimination need to be on that list as well, it usually starts with things like, we're not gonna gossip about each other, we're not gonna tell inside jokes, we're not going to yell at each other. And so that's where, when you can get an organization gets to that point, then you're not gonna run into the harassment situations because people just know that's not how we operate here. So what's the best way to create a culture like that? I mean, I know obviously you can tell people coming into the organization that this is our culture and these things are important, but saying is one thing, but actually creating that culture and meaning it is another. I, one of the things that I think every organization has to do, and it has to start with a leader, is developing their core values. And they cannot be core values that are created as a marketing tool to look good to the outside. <laughs> right. They have to be core values that are believed by the leader and top management and then driven down through the organization. So if teamwork is one of your core values, and yet you let people hoard information, then you're not living them and people will no longer pay attention to them. So it's establish what truly matters to you and not only require, but provide support to the rest of the people in the organization to live by those core values. So you need to, as a leader, you need to notice what's going on. You need to intervene and show people that this is how it's done, that, that this isn't acceptable. And then others will follow. Others will see that that's unacceptable. They'll feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's, it's also, and I think this is another podcast, but it's part of you get the right people in the company when you have established your core values because right. you can align people and get the right people who are already aligned with that coming in. Yeah, that is a whole other discussion yeah, because we'll that's that. <laughs> that's the weeding through what people say and what they mean and, yeah, yeah, and that yeah. whole thing. Uh, Mary, you had an interesting comment about elevators versus escalators. I'm kind of curious about that. It's when people are in a conversation and, and if something hits you wrong, 
you can either decide to escalate the tension oh. by reacting to it, you know, kind of like your lizard brain that says, yeah. I, I'm going to fight You now. can't talk to me like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or you can elevate the conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, take the emotion out of it and turn the tone of the conversation because the other person may have come in hot. Mm -hmm. And the person that's being talked to does have the option of cooling that off a little bit by listening and letting them vent a little bit without taking it personally. Mm -hmm. And when they've had their say and not trying to rebut immediately, just using emotional intelligence skills to be a good listener, understand where they're coming from, perhaps not even try to come up with a solution while they're still hot all those kinds of things. So you can escalate it and make it worse, or you can elevate it and take it to a more professional, productive level. The story that you were telling kind of brought up an interesting question for me when you said not to escalate even if someone's coming in hot, don't take it personally. That's assuming that one person is using emotional intelligence and obviously the other person, the one coming in hot, is not. So at what point do you say, okay, this person's doing a good job of de-escalating, but what do we do about this one person who is causing other people to have to de-escalate? In my experience, it may be that this person is always a person who comes in hot, or it may just be they're having a really bad day. Yeah. If they really don't have the skills, they need to get them. And that's where their leader, their management needs to recognize this person doesn't have the skills they need. They either need a coach or they need training or they need a mentor or they need somebody right. who's going to help them see how they're coming across and give them some better tools. Give them the benefit of the doubt initially, but if it's a pattern or something that continually yeah. happens, then get them some help in, yeah. in learning how to better deal with these situations. All right, well, we've come to the point of the horror story of the week. And Katie, I'm going to, you, you're the queen of horror stories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not sure <laughs> that's, I'm not sure that's the title I was I mean looking for in my career. But, um, I had a team that just bullying was part of what was happening. Mm -hmm. um, what was interesting was one individual in the organization would bully new hires. And it came from a place of fear for her. She thought the new folks were coming in to take over the um. role. But the kinds of things that she would say to the new hire, and of course, this is the person they put in charge of orientation, right? So in, in orientation, there was this immediate sense of, you have to do it my way. It doesn't matter that even the handbook says this. It doesn't matter what the manager says you. This is how we do things here. And then immediately, like the constant bashing of somebody new and somebody just putting people down to the point that truly it's amazing in a workplace that people can actually completely lose their confidence and they start Aww. to believe the bully. And this one, yeah. while they weren't the leader, they had a just of enough of an informal leadership role. This woman had at least 75% of the staff absolutely terrified of her. Been mm -hmm. there 15, 20 years and everybody knew it was a problem, but nobody would talk about it. And there was no hope in sight of the person retiring, which would have been the easy answer. And honestly, they just kept losing person after person. And wow. everybody was wow. everybody was running from her. And it doesn't matter the age. I mean, she was in her 50s. You know, it's sad to watch it happen because yep. it can ruin people's personal lives as well because they take that baggage home. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, and the sad thing about that is the employees that leave are probably very good employees, and the ones oh, yeah. that stay don't have the confidence to do the job as well as they could be doing it. Right. So. Well, and they're doing it her way, whether or not, right. well, like, whether right her way was right or, right or way, not. Yeah. So um, it didn't really matter. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Super Manager by CN Video Production. 
visit our website at cn-video.com for additional episodes and lots of super manager resources or give us a call at 314-VIDEO-ME.